Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR, and talent acquisition because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR. And may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Lee Andrews, welcome to the Hiring Partner Perspective podcast, proudly supported by the beautiful people at WorkDrive. I'm so excited to have you here today. Welcome, welcome. Well, thank you for having me and Happy New Year. Oh, yes, that as well. 2022. (laughs) Only way is up, surely. Um, (laughs) I've had that on a loop in my head. Mm -hmm. So for people who don't know who you are, which would be surprising because you have your fabulous LinkedIn lives and you're very present and always helping the industry, can you share a little bit about what it is that you do? Sure. Today I oversee training, uh, learning and development for a company called Onward Search. Um, The capability is brand new um, and the goal there is to um, create a learning culture and environment that allows recruiters to expand their capabilities and careers. Uh, in the sales and servicing side of staffing. Um, but I'm a, you know, I'm a former high school teacher who became a recruiter. You know, we That's don't. That's a novel way in. Yeah, we don't exactly plan to be recruiters. No, <laughs> I have world. met two in 18 months, 18 years who planned to join recruitment. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a different beast. Yeah. But. Do you know, before we, uh, or before I hit the record button, you were saying, you know, over the last 10 years, it's become quite heartbreaking in recruitment. Do you think some of that's why? Because we don't have a formal path in, we just fall in and then don't no, have the support? No, I think that it's the, it's, I think that the world has just excelled at such a pace um, and technology has helped, you know, support that pace. So when you look at what I would call the perfect storm of human behavior, Mm. when you've got the speed, the tool, the drive, the demand for speed, you tend to forget that there's a human being involved. (laughs) Which is kind of ironic when we're human beings, isn't it? It is, but you know, you're a human being regardless of what your job is. And recruiters are just as much, you know, susceptible to human behavior as anybody else. So I just think what I think is sad is that um, we're not, we've become a body shop. You know, we fill seats. We don't, we don't give cons- enough consideration. It's not always, but it's not consistent in the consideration that, that we give the candidates as to what they want. They should be our first customer. Mm. If the candidate is happy in the job, the hiring manager is going to be happy. It's not the other way around. Yeah, very true. And actually, um, my the podcast that just came out with Suzanne Lucas, we were talking mm-hmm. about that. You know, It used to be, oh, be grateful to have a job. Now it's like employers should be grateful they have employees. Which is a similar thing to what and you're I, saying. It's a switch. 
Yeah. And I don't know that that is a new, like a George Eastman. I always go back to this story. So George Eastman, head of Eastman Kodak Company. So he is one of the, you know, back in the day when very large manufacturers and their employees were fighting to get unions in place, mm -hmm. the Eastman Company never did. Because when George was alive, he said, we're going to pay the best, we're going to treat our people the best, and there's not going to be a need to have a, a union. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, that changed too, right? Mm -hmm. As, you know, Mr. Eastman left this world. But if we just do what's right by the people who are helping stand up our companies and, and make them what they are, you know? You won't end up in this situation we're in at the moment where everyone overfired and is trying to overhire and... It's all becoming a palaver, but I'm loving it because I feel like the patriarchy is falling. So yeah. <laughs> one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was I saw your post, dear hiring managers and leaders, you are the candidates. Ghosting mm -hmm. candidates after they've spent six hours with you, shame on you. Um, yep. And then you had a thread of stories and this was you'd relayed somebody else's like quite heartbreaking story. Mm -hmm. What I loved that you wrote there though was hiring managers and leaders you sort of mm -hmm. pushed the responsibility onto them, which was, I wanted to like delve into that more. What, what prompted you to do that? So culture starts at the top. When you're hearing a CEO uh, communicate to senior leaders what they should be focused on, and if people are not part of that focus, you're going to get, just get them in and get them out. I don't care right? You're going to just hire these people. Who do they think they are? Blah, blah, blah. If leaders aren't saying, we need to carefully, to think carefully about the people that we bring into the organization. And because we think so carefully and thoughtfully about those people, we need to take care of those people. Hmm. We're going to invest in them. So make sure that the experience is really superior. The other part of that is we no longer have the... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? We no longer have the luxury mm. of being snobs, you know, because we've got the job. We need to be able to say the most important person in the hiring process is the person that we reject when we really think about it. Yeah. What's that experience like for them when they get rejected? Because people hear no all the time. Mm. How they hear no. Yeah is what's going to be that lasting experience because those people will also talk about that experience and encourage others not to buy your product, not yeah. to support your company. Do you know what's amazing? I have only ever seen, and they refer to this case study all the time, one company actually look into this, which was Virgin Media case study from like five, six years ago, where they mm -hmm. looked at the amount of money they lost by the mm -hmm. number of people they annoyed by rejecting them poorly or giving them a bad candidate experience. It's crazy that there's not yeah. more emphasis on that. It, it, and there, I mean, and there's more facts to that. So I just posted mm. again this morning, um, Charlotte uh, Beasley just wrote, uh, aggregated a bunch of statistics about recruitment. And we're talking two times the amount of people who are ghosted, mm -hmm. who don't get follow-up. They are very likely to spread the word, hey, this is how the company treats their people, yeah. why would we want to support their existence? Why would we want to feed them? Because every time, every dollar you spend with a company, you're mm. fueling them. Yeah. So once you take that fuel away. It's gone. Yeah. Tribe tribe pad uh, even, uh, who have created the endghosting.com, which is a little like the Circle Back Initiative. They're both very similar. 
they did some studies and and I'm sure you saw my LinkedIn rant about this where <laughs> candidates are left down or depressed. Yeah. We as recruiters, when we're ghosted, it's irritating. We might even feel angry, but most of the time we just dismiss it, move on. But we don't feel down or depressed. And I just find that so up, I mean, up like you, heartbreaking. Well, the recruiters are in a, you know, today the recruiters are even in a, there's two sides to that. Mm. So the recruiters are, are sandwiched. If they don't select mm-hmm. the company that they work with very carefully, recruiters need to be very selective on the brands that they represent. Yeah. Because if they're not, they're going to, um, they're, they're, a recruiter is only as good as the candidates who follow them. Mm. And actually that applies for in-house as well. In-house, external, I don't care who it is. Yeah. That's it's either way. A recruiter is only as good as the candidates who follow them, especially if they're niche. If mm. they're niche, like if they're in marketing communications or technology, the hiring manager of that talent acquisition capability is going to hire the candidate, hire the recruiter mm. who's got the following. Yeah. Hands down. So if at it. that recruiter doesn't manage their portfolio well then they're going to be in a situation where they don't have a choice. Mm. They've got to go fast. They've got to be furious. They're going to let balls drop. They're not going to follow up. And if the recruiter selects a company that doesn't have the right tools for them to do their job, heaven help them. Yeah. So it's the rec- if the recruiter doesn't mind that, <clears throat> then that kind of says something right there. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But oh, yeah. Sorry. For the podcast, we were pulling faces at each other because, of course, you can't tell that we're doing that because it's just audio. <laughs> That's right. And so if a recruiter if a recruiter stays at that brand mm-hmm. and either the brand has a bad reputation or the tools aren't right or systemically there is something, there is a culture that says people are disposable. Mm. If And it exists. That, that belief does exist at many companies. Um, if well, they're there intentionally, that tells me more about the recruiter. It does. The, the Actually, we saw worked- that over the pandemic, didn't oh, yeah. we, by the companies that were like, well, you must have a Zoom open all day, or they put monitoring software on the computer because they don't trust their staff. Oh, that's um, a whole and other we won't even go into the whole. Yeah, that's mess. a whole Sorry. other conversation. Yeah, but it's the same for if a recruiters aware of that. They know what they're entering into, and who'd want to recruit right. for a company like that? They need to be very picky. That's how mm. I would coach a recruiter in their their career search. Do you think that's the, because the part- we're older and more confident that we would be like, Ugh, I'm not working for them? No. I don't no. think so. You're either you either have that a bit. Well, it depends if people have economic situations where they do mm. have to take something because there's just no choice. You have to forgive that. I mean, that mm. just is what it is. Um, but the goal is to always try to move to a company that you can support wholeheartedly uh, without any reservation whatsoever. Mm. Where I where I lost faith. Yeah. Where I began to lose faith. Where the, it, it, I, I didn't lose faith. Where I where there was a bullet that was taken from me is when I talked to the head of acquisition mm. for a high tech company. Mm. And she said to me, Lee, let's face it. If a recruiter doesn't have a job or if somebody doesn't have the job, they're really no good. During a pandemic. Say that again. The head <laughs> of talent acquisition yeah. And she has since actually gone on to another company. Um, the head of talent acquisition at a technology company yeah. 
um, said to me, mm. Lee, if somebody doesn't have a job, they're probably no good. Oh, okay. So the recruiter had been, for example, if they're recruiting recruiters or they're recruiting something else, yes, technology, they, were recruiting they happened to be in the hospitality industry or the travel industry and they lost their job. So they weren't any good. Wow. I right. love the compassion there. Right. During I, a pandemic. During the pandemic. I, I do wonder how some of the people in those particular roles get to where they get to. I had somebody tell me, and I'm going pre-pandemic, and uh, I'd just been going through like being proactive and sourcing because, you know, you're looking for technology professionals or whatever it was. And she said, oh, no, my, my team are maxed out. They don't have time to learn. And she was proud of it. And I was just like, you're proud of the fact that your internal recruiters do not have the bandwidth to learn. Whoa. It's your responsibility. You're bringing yeah. in the people to the company and, like we started and, this conversation with. Yeah, and I think the pandemic revealed who these people truly are, right? They mm. were always this way. Mm. So as a recruiter, if you are being, if if I'm being told, if I'm a recruiter working for, for a hiring manager and I'm being told that don't worry about ghosting, to, mm. you know, we don't have to have automated processes in place that make you sound like a human. Because you can automate hum human sound, right? Yeah. Human voices, we, human yeah. feelings uh, to a certain degree mm. saying, hey, thank you in the email. Thank you so much for taking the time to apply. R right now, I've got over 400 candidates that I'm sifting through. That can be an automated email. Just yeah. at least let the person know you got their information, that you are human and you can only do so mm -hmm. much that if you don't hear from me, here's why. Yeah. If you just change that outbound message. You've changed the entire experience. And sign it off with your name. <laughs> because yeah, yeah, a human they name. Might, <laughs> you might get one in 400 who might actually pick up the phone and right. contact you, most unlikely. You might get another email back or you might get a LinkedIn connection or a Twitter follower or an Instagram follower or they might come to you another way. But don't you want those people? This is, oh, huge bugbear, this whole Kind regards well, the talent acquisition it, team or the recruitment team or, oh, my God. Yeah, it. when you take it to the next level, what what that column was that you saw posted on LinkedIn, that mm. was about people who are going through the hiring process, mm. two, three, four, sometimes five interviews deep, and yeah. then nothing. Nothing mm. from the hiring manager, nothing from the recruiter. Yeah. How nothing. awful does – and we're talking about the C level. Yeah. People I represented at the C level, CMOs, mm. Mm. are saying to me, Lee, they just fell off. And and you know what's even more horrifying mm. is that they're from the top, the the top um, recruitment firms. And I'm not talking about your typical mm. recruitment firms. I'm talking about executive placement firms. Like and they've ghosted grit. as well as the company. They're ghosting. ghosting. They're ghosting. It's just really short-sighted because, you know, when you are executive search or your agency recruitment, obviously it's a client, but there are far more reasons it's also short-sighted. Now, not only will that candidate never work with that firm, mm. but that candidate who now has a C-level position at another company will mm. not bring in that firm. That mm. firm has lost her as a client. Yeah. Um, or and who a, do they know? Exactly. Exactly. They're not only going to hurt not that that situation that particular situation negates that relationship with the staffing mm -hmm. firm, but as well as or the executive recruitment firm, 
as well as the company that that recruitment firm represented. Yeah. So now you've got somebody who is a CMO. Yeah. With a bad taste in her mouth. Yeah. On two brands. Mm. Talking and, about that experience. And very well connected. And over and, yeah. and very well connected, yeah. top in the field, top 100 in the nation. Mm. You know, it's just, it's sad. And unnecessary. It doesn't have to be, right. It, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to, to be. be that way. And it's, I think there's this kind of weird, I've always said we're in a rejection business and it's a horrible thing to say, but you've got one job and you get, you know, 10, 20, 100 people, however many interested, you're saying no to most of them. Why is it? that recruiters on both sides, in-house or agency, are so scared of that conversation. Because if they got better at that in the US, yes, but that doesn't excuse the rest of the planet that's less litigation-focused. But that also goes back to the hiring manager and getting the information from the hiring manager. It's it's communication. It's there's So there's systemic, right? So Mm. there's systemic processes where the people just – somehow they only find time for the things that are going to benefit them right there's no niceties on any other side there are there's the feedback from the hiring manager hiring managers are also human beings and they're caught Mm. up in the fray of you know a boatload of tasks right and outcomes so they've got to prioritize that feedback if they're not told to prioritize that feedback they won't so actually, not only do they need to prioritize it, but from what you're saying, which actually what's in it for me, so it's like, mm, Katrina, a bit slow today, but how can we make it so that feedback is of benefit to the person delivering it? Yeah. So, so that's those what are, we need to manipulate around. And those we? are processes. So when a company mm. has that process, that recruitment process in place, and it's very well defined. Mm. So if you want the solution to the problem, create a process that allows for the hiring that allow that sets the expectations of what the experience is going to be mm. from the job posting all the way through to the date that they start through onboarding. Yeah. Right. What is that hiring process going to be? The mm. sourcing process, the hiring process, the evaluation process. When you get those expectations together and they are followed and managed to, you're going to see more consistency in superior experiences for candidates, the hiring manager. And you're going to hire superior people, right? And so you're much more likely to reach your company's goals and missions. People are at the foundation of a success of a company. Mm. But if people don't have the right processes, if they don't have the right tools, and if the culture isn't just so. It's it's pointless. So, yes, I mean, that's a bigger picture because that's C-suite making sure that the people that bring in the people understand that they need those things. But I also people think- People first. Then, you know, we've always absolutely. said mobile first. We used to say web first and all this mobile no, people first. first. It's Human people first. It's people first. Yeah. First. But it also goes back to, you know, chapter five of the Robot Proof Recruiter. I just actually- writing edition two. So I've just been through it again. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, you know, the stuff Steve Levy gives you particularly in that chapter is like mind blowing. But it, it goes back to reiterate it when you're in your intake strategy sessions, it's like, right, to remind you, this is the process. And then how do we work together? How is best for you? How is best for me? How are we? And there's just not enough focus on that one hour up front that will save so much time. But again, I think we need to go more into the, not only having those processes that we need, but the culture, what's in it for them which will yeah. start, will help the culture. And the other thing is, you know, I there's another term that's always been thrown around now for c- quite a bit, the term empathy. 
Yeah. It's like telling me I build great relationships. Mm. That's fluff. Mm. If you tell me that you're empathetic without telling me how. Yeah. Um, and, and we've got to, oh, we've got to be responsible for that. Um, yeah. So we've got to realize as recruiters that the people we're talking to probably lost somebody in their life. Mm. Probably mm. are financially strapped. Yep. Um, they have lived through a time in history that we hope to never repeat, but mm. we're, we, we made it through. And if we're not empathetic to that situation. Yeah. Well, that's actually probably compassion, isn't it? Cause narcissists can be empathetic. They can read your energy and manipulate you, but you've got to have the want the best don't you, that compassion. To you're go talking with. about being human again. Which, you're going again. back to, are you human? Yeah. Are you human or are mm. you really going, just like your book, you've yeah. got to be robot proof. Yeah. Which is human first. In so many ways that title applies. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, well, it's yeah. You, you talk about the impact. So I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine now. Um, To be fair, I've just been through her CV as resume, as you would call it. it it's dreadful. Bless her. They're really hard <laughs> documents to write. And I remember- yeah, they are when Kogan Page approached me, I still can't believe they came to me, and asked me if I'd like to write a book. And I knew immediately we have to get around this thing of technology can replace recruiters because people cannot write their resumes. They can't write them in such a way that they get hired. So she's having a really bad experience because not one single person has gone, okay, I can see on this document she has eight years of recruitment experience. Why don't I call her and see if she can explain better than this piece of paper? Nope, reject can't see what I'm looking for. Reject. It's just because there's no empathy and compassion for this, just the pickle that she's ended up with by being made redundant, but because she'd actually moved into a HR tech company. And of course that got hit quite badly but due to the pandemic. There's just no empathy and compassion. I'm having That's a little horrible. rant. Imagine having a rant on my podcast. <laughs> what a novel idea. What a novel idea. I'm sure that's why I brought it in. <laughs> so I, I think that I think that if we can if talent acquisition leaders mm. really want to make a difference and want to mm. make changes mm. in our profession and within their organizations, they're gonna take the time, Katrina, to take that step back and say, What how are we being perceived? Look yeah. at it as a user experience bring in a user experience professional mm -hmm. and say, you go out and look, this is not a marketing and branding exercise. This is really about understanding mm -hmm. how our audience, how our customers, which are future candidates and future yep. hiring, uh, you know, talent, how do they perceive us and, and then build it backwards, you know, build mm. it from that feedback. But that, that's my recommendation. Totally go and run through your own job application process on your mobile phone. And just yeah. see, like, and have a third party person do it. Do it, you know, because we're too myopic, we're too yep. biased, we're totally. in it, we're too, we are too, too close to see, yeah, seeing the problems. But and the, you could get that person to go through your competition. You know, if you're a tech yeah, firm, you know absolutely. your tech competitors. Go and see where absolutely. we're going wrong. Absolutely, yep. And they have, and when you when you turn to somebody who isn't in recruiting, who really looks at processes, tools, technologies, and how the interaction goes, you get a whole different read. Yeah, <laughs> a whole different read. I probably that laugh. Takes a level <laughs> that takes a leader who has a level of humility yeah. to say, "I want this feedback." Mm. You know, we we know that there's problems. I just don't know what they are, or I can't articulate them well enough. So let's get some adult supervision on it. Any thoughts on how we can persuade our leaders that? Yeah, 
Absolutely. So when you look at costs, right? So CEOs, the C-level suite is really looking at profit at revenue at mm-hmm. profitability. So that's the top and the bottom line. What the talent acquisition person has, the, not an indirect, they have a direct link to top and bottom line, mm-hmm. meaning that if it is taking them longer than say 30 days to get a hire, there's a problem. That's costing the company money. If the company has um, turnover rates that are really, really high and the talent acquisition person isn't stepping in to say, why are we, why are we feeding the turnover? Are Mm. we hiring to turnover? Mm. That's not cool. So if you've got a strong TA leader, they're going to that C-suite and saying, we got to stop this. We got to stop the bleed. Let's figure out where the problem is. If they're, if the TA person finds that they're getting less qualified people in the pipeline and they are not bringing, that's, that's another expense. Mm-hmm. So now you're recruiting unqualified people, spending all that time, multiply that time that you've lost times $100 and- an hour. That's how much that company is losing on recruitment costs. Yeah. And then the other way is obviously, you know, we haven't bought that person in that project's not being delivered. How much is that costing? The hiring managers should know that as well. That's the other side of it. So there's the practical part of it, the process mm. of the actual TA function. There's the hiring mediocre people, which is far worse than hiring bad people. And then you've got hiring no people at all. So the work isn't getting done. So if you look at those three things, Mm. there's build your case on those. Totally. And there needs to be more of that. But it's interesting that you keep saying strong TA leaders because I see a few problems, which is (laughs) TA leaders have been promoted into the role are not supported and helped to be great leaders. But also I see a lot of undermining from HR because there's almost this weird competition, whereas I just see HR looks after the people and TA brings in the people and they work together side by side. But there's this weird, uh, honestly, you've pulled a face, but it's a big focus with my work, with my workshops is the communication wow. breakdown between those. Because I don't, I personally don't think TA should sit in HR when it gets to a certain size, but that's another whole conversation. Yeah, that is a whole, <laughs> that is a whole other conversation. Yeah. Because if you would think that if they are over, if they have management oversight, the same senior leader overseeing the two, that they would, there would be harmony. But if that's I, not happening. Not often. That's, a, that's a there shame. are exceptions, of course, but again, it's just another area of. You in a way, though, question? in-house recruitment is a new function. That's yeah. The, in, in compared to the other business functions, it's funny you should say that because I do think that there is a trend that, like I said, when you hire a great recruiter, you're hiring the people that they know on their network. Absolutely. Right. That's that's a mm-hmm. huge part of that. And my 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 question for that is. Are they bringing more in-house people? Like they're hiring from the staffing industries like mad, yeah. right? They're just, they're, they're building these capabilities that are incredible. Mm-hmm. They're just building their database of people. And mm-hmm. if that's all they're after, then recruiters are being taught not to worry about the experience. Mm. Yeah. My issue is they're bringing a lot in. And in a way, I think ex-agency recruiters make great in-house recruiters because they have the drive to fill the role Right, slightly more than what I've seen come up the HR administration role aside. However, there are exceptions, of course. Um, But again, I think it comes back to there needs to be more training and understanding of, okay, so if you did something wrong in an agency, your impact was, okay, pretty bad. The agency mightn't get used, but it wasn't as great as people won't buy our products and services. It it ruins our future hiring because we get bad reviews, et cetera, et cetera. 
think it's a far, far more detrimental. And here's the other thing I would say is that we don't want to throw good people into a bad situation and you don't want to throw good training Mm. in a bad situation. Yeah. So again, it starts at the top. Mm. This is, this is, this is top down. Always has been, always will be. Yeah. And so that takes the, it is top down, but it's taking where you are at the top to persuade them. Yep. And I think that those leaders, those talent acquisition leaders who can articulate the impact that they've made at an organizational level to say, we have changed organizational performance by bringing in superior people, creating Mm. a superior experience and boosting our brand that we're actually hitting new revenue because people, we we want a waiting line of people coming into the store Mm. to to get into this company. We want to create a waiting line. Those are the TA leaders that I would be after. Yeah. I like that. So that it stops being how it is at the moment where it's impossible to recruit talent. Actually, the line out. I mean, a bit like they do with Google and the like, they line up people who want to work there. They've created they this. They line up people that who yeah. want to work there and, and that hasn't changed for quite some time. Mm. And what's even better is when you've got people at Google who stage a, 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 a structured they're a community of a, of a voice. They have mm. a voice. So Google mm. has done a great job of hiring independent thinkers yeah. who will stand up for what they believe is right. To mm. me, that is the sign of exceptional mm. leadership, yeah. right? And the leadership listens to them. Mm. I do think that's where we will end up. It might take another 30 years and you and I will probably be retired by then, but I do I think so, Katrina. that well, I feel like the <laughs> I do feel like the patriarchy is starting to fall. I think so much got shaken up by the fact, you know, the pandemic hit and all of these rigid processes. Oh, you can't work from home. You can't do this. You can't do that. It's all gone out the window. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it was funny. Um, someone I mentor has just logged on to LinkedIn. She hasn't been in for a bit. And she just went, oh, my God, so many people have resigned. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, where have you been? been? Yeah. It's, you, you're, the U.S. is ahead of um, Europe. So the genie has been let out of the bottle. Yeah. The genie has been let out of the bottle that, and and this to me is a big boost for inclusivity, Mm. is that there are no more excuses to why people can't work from home. Absolutely, positively none. No. And I I, I give our credit, I give credit to our senior leaders. They're not bringing anybody back in. They're Mm. letting go of the real estate. Like you guys are doing great. Yeah. Most (laughs) companies have been more productive. I think very few have actually gone the other way. Uh, They're probably the micromanagers. But it's also then, imagine if you then got really amazing and just went, actually, it's less about the hours and it's more about the when are you productive and, oh, you know, Lee, you're really great in the afternoon, Trina, you're great in the morning, whatever, and just let people work when they want to work. That would be even more exciting. That's what I tell the team. These are the hours that our customers need us. Be available. Other than that, when you do it, do it. Yeah. Even that's just a quick reply, isn't it? (laughs) So often or answer the phone. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I think that getting back to the ghosting, the ghosting yeah. is the easiest thing to solve. Just get back to your candidates. It, it, it this this isn't brain surgery. No, <laughs> just follow up with them until there's closure. Yeah, period. And I think that just recruiters have just got to. I mean, actually, uh, the litigation thing though, that's a problem. It is a problem, and I mm, think the way that we get around litigation. <laughs> 
The way that a recruiter can really also set themselves apart as a recruiter is to act like an agent and not like a recruiter. An agent, if you talk to a talent agent, they're very picky and choosy about the people that they mm. represent. They also set the expectation of what it's going to be like to work with them. Yeah. So if I tell you, Katrina, you and I are going to have this relationship. If I don't have anything for you, you're not going to hear from me. So don't mm. don't take that as I don't care about you, but yeah. I have nothing to talk to you about. Yeah. So, um, however, it's a good mm. idea if you just want to say hello to me. And, I, and by the way, Katrina, I go through at least 100 candidates every single day. Mm. So if you want to keep in touch with me, please don't hesitate to connect with me on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Don't hesitate to connect with me on social, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's what this relation. However, Katrina, Mm. when you and I engage and I represent you, whether I'm an in-house recruiter or staffing, it doesn't make a difference. I will make sure that you have closure and next steps Mm. from day one until the very end. And yeah. I will, I will like a dog track that hiring manager down for feedback yeah. to give you something that you can use. Yeah. I want to see more but, of that. Yes. Yeah. But, but it could also be true about systemic issues. So Katrina, my company policy tells me that I won't be able to provide you with mm. specific feedback. All I'm going to be able to do, set the expectation up front so yeah. that person knows what is coming down the pipe. Yeah. And I sub- stick to it. That gets around those no feedback policy, which I'm dead against, but it does get around that. If you at least say, look, I know you're going to go through six interviews and not actually get some substantial feedback. I guess if people know they can choose to opt in. And then you can exactly choose to opt in. Katrina, do you want to go through a hiring process? And then as a recruiter, I can go back to my manager and say, I lost this great candidate, Katrina Collier, and Mm. because she didn't like our hiring process. Mm. Exactly. I saw a recruiter in the oh ladies' gosh. room one day. This was before the pandemic. Yeah. And she was crying. <sighs> and I said, so-and-so, what, what's going on? She said, I, I'm tired of lying about the jobs. I'm tired of lying to candidates about oh how good it is. Now, we were not at the same company. Yeah. That's what, that's what some recruiters are going through right now. So I looked at mm-hmm. her and I said, you know, you don't have to lie. You know that this is a choice. Yeah. You know that you can leave. Mm. But I can't afford to leave. But you can't afford to start looking. Mm. Yeah. And you can choose to be a bit more honest and get applicants that choose to stay in the process. Yes. And you can also be honest about what that candidate is going to want. Yeah. You know, going to expect. And that candidate may very well say, okay, I'll make the best of it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm. Or the candidate may say, you know. We'll see about that. Just get me in the door. I'll change this company. <laughs> well, exactly. They might be up <laughs> for a challenge. Could. They might want it. They and really they might want it. Oh, exciting times ahead. Um, yes. If people wish to get in touch with you, Lee, what is the easiest way? Is it the usual LinkedIn spam or have you got preference? <laughs> yeah, no. Have them connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the yeah. fastest way. Um, I'm also on Twitter under Lee Andries. Um, so Twitter and, and LinkedIn are probably my two most favorite um, social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, hit me up there. Um, I am so grateful for your time and, of course, your pearls of wisdom. So thank you so much for oh, joining Oh, thank you me. so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Hopefully you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR. Even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. 
But the more reach we can get, the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And do come and say hello at Hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram, where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time. Thank you. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.